Welcome to Enlivening Musings. I'm Crystal. And I'm Katie. And today we have an amazing, amazing guest. Her name is Naomi Harris. And she is passion, a, a passionate advocate for women and their pleasure and is dedicated to a world where women are healthy, turned on, and love being in their bodies. As a naturopath and somatic sexuality coach, she has been supporting her community to thrive for over a decade. She specializes in supporting women to heal pelvic and intimate pain conditions so that they can live their lives in full trust of their bodies and their sexual expression. <sighs> Just <laughs> reading that, I'm like, oh, yes, I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here with us, and I'm so mm -hmm. glad you're here on the planet doing this. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so, so stoked to be here as well and to be talking to the both of you about this amazing, juicy, pleasure-filled subject that I know is resonant to both of your hearts as well and to the work that you're doing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I shared some of your recent Instagram posts and have been loving those to pieces because I resonate with them so much as well. And just right away, like current day today, you know, you're bringing up this concept of pleasure and pain and how much, you know, they're intertwined and yet how pleasure can be the gateway out of pain. And that is just, you know, for the majority of people, I'll say that's a really hard concept to wrap their minds around because we're so mentally focused that it's even harder to feel it in their bodies. So what would you even say is like the first thing we need to address <laughs> When we when we introduce this as a concept to somebody or how how do you start to bridge that gap? I know Katie has mentioned it before in her practice already, too, where she'll just mention that, you know, like this concept of pleasure. And maybe I'm going too far, but right right away, it's like just that word pleasure can be activating. So mm -hmm. begin mm -hmm. <laughs> share the secrets. <laughs> The word itself, pleasure, it is the connotation around it, the stories that we have around it, the stories that we're fed around what this word means. And when I break it down for, for myself and for the amazing humans that I work with, it's really like our senses are engaged with life and that there is something coming into whichever sense is being engaged that feels good in the body. And Pleasure's been made into something that is so taboo or so sinful or so something that we don't even talk about or think about. And yet, as humans, as these, these amazing organisms that we are, the reality of, of the way that we're wired in terms of our nervous systems and our brains is that the pleasure and the pain actually happen in the same parts of the brain and they actually happen with the same nervous system's pathways. And so I love to use pleasure as a pain interrupt, as a way to rewire the body away from this habituated and stuckness into pain into something like pleasure. 
but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like there is so much that goes into it before we can even start to broach that. And there's so much healing and um, unpacking that needs to happen around what even is pleasure because it's different for every one of us as well. And we actually have to get back to that basis of what actually does pleasure mean for me and how do I want that to be expressed and felt in my own body? Yeah, I love that. You know, going back to the definition, because each person just is, they're going to have their own definition with it. And I feel like it's so, like when you're saying it's taboo and everything, it's like, yeah, I feel like the second people hear the word pleasure, they instantly just think sex. Yeah. And it's so much more than that. And I feel like surrounding ourselves with people who share maybe a different definition of pleasure that can really help shift and change that in the world. Because for me, it's just, you know, so I'm the pleasure fairy. and I feel like I'm <laughs> dealing with that. this all the time, right? Thank you. Where it's like pleasure, first of all, it's for you because of course I get all kinds of fun comments on Instagram and especially TikTok of like... <laughs> blah 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 I'm not even gonna go into it um I'm just like no man it's all about you and your pleasure for you you cultivate it this has nothing to do with anything external and then also just it's sometimes it's synonymous to me with joy mm-hmm. for me and my definition you know where pleasure is just enjoyment you're enjoying your moments every single day so why not invite more pleasure into your life but it's when it's entangled with this concept that it's only sexual or it's only in your genitals or that type of stuff you know so I don't know that's just where I go with it (laughs) yeah I know it makes me really curious about how that started like how that came to be that that's the connection most people have in their brain around it. You know, it's just this yeah. like belief system. It, yeah, because I think most people feel that way about that word. I, so it's just really interesting to me. Maybe I'll have to go down a rabbit hole. Of well, <laughs> right away, I think about religion. Yeah, I was, you know, because like it was, to that. you know, but then I, you know, <laughs> this box of cereal over there. And then that makes me think about um, the cereal guy and the masturbation. <laughs> graham crackers that's what it was do you guys know this about uh, how graham graham crackers (laughs) i think it's graham crackers were designed to prevent boys from masturbating with cornflakes that's what it was that was was. the whole point behind breakfast cereal was designed to try to lower the libido to prevent people from masturbating and prevent sexual pleasure that's the basis of it why does why does cereal do that (laughs) why would they think cereal and cornflakes would do that I don't exactly know because it's bland. I don't. What? I don't really that's know. so funny and weird and random. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I think about though right away. I'm thinking about how could have that, the history of that, and how could have that come to be? Is that you know, touching self pleasure? Then. Yeah, I, don't know. I think that's it. I mean, it goes across like so many different religious teachings too. Of right, like the right. whole which I th- kind of think is like that old paradigm of like you life is about suffering. Yeah. Right? That's kind of been the paradigm that the world has been living in for like the last what many generations of like suffering is the way to salvation. 
And I've heard some things even recently and I was like, what? Like, how is this an authority figure in a religious setting? Like kind of teaching that the way to redemption is through um, like what you do kind of and like it'll get you there like works basically you know like work, if you do this self sacrifice self sacrifice <laughs> things like that and they they literally said that word for word well if you're technically like not practicing this religion and you die if you died trying to save someone that'll like cut down your time <laughs> in getting to heaven and i was like what like so i mean i yeah i think it's that old paradigm and i think it is shifting um which is really cool. Not even just like, I think there's been such a change from the whole idea of like the patriarchy and da, 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 and all that stuff. And I think there's a lot of people like us are realizing it's, it's so much bigger than that. It's like a shifting of a whole paradigm of life is about suffering into life is about like joy and pleasure and enjoying ourselves. And right. And like Naomi was saying about just that, that's how we're wired. Yeah. So getting back to nature, I think, is yes. another very poignant shift. And that's like what we're all here to do is really connect us with our natural states, our natural selves. And how does that work? I, you know, this is a little bit more of a tangent again, but I've always been fascinated about that whole connection of the pain and pleasure being in the same part of the brain. And I'd love to ask you this, and maybe it's outside the realm, and if so, we'll just <laughs> redirect here. Um, but what about for the people who find pain to be pleasurable? That's something that I've always been exploring is like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And so it's just like, but do we want to do that? Do we, you know, like do we want to let those overlap so much or does it really matter if they're overlapped so much or, you know what I mean? Do you have anything to say about that? You probably have a whole world of experience. Oh, I have so <laughs> much to, so, of course, Crystal, so much to say about that. I mean, the first thing is, is just um, taking it back to the work that I do with women. It has that extra level of complexity as well, because we're talking about pelvic and intimate pain. So the action of sex is often painful, whether it's because of vulvodynia where the, um, the vulva or um, the external genital are like super inflamed, or there's an issue going on with the skin and the tissues. So any contact is excruciating or whether it's a vaginismus where actual penetration causes excruciating pain or isn't even possible as well at all let alone like the whole spectrum there's there's so many potential conditions that could be happening in the pelvis the, the um, female pelvis so if there's already the pain there in terms of um, the sexual experience rather than a pleasure then it also is that it has that extra layer of complexity like I said because then um, if it's only pain and there is no pleasure then that overlap between the pleasure and the pain really isn't even um, like part of the conversation mm -hmm. because it actually needs to get back to the pleasure and to the relaxation and to the healing before that exploration of what real desire and real turn on actually even looks like for for the woman in front mm -hmm. of me mm -hmm. and that being said absolutely I mean 
it comes down to it. There's a couple of different things. I mean, the first thing is, is that, you know, we're often taught it, it sort of comes back to this whole thing about pleasure as well and um, the way that pleasure is judged as being frivolous or whatever the judgment about it is. Um, and then it comes down to certain sexual acts are judged differently from other certain uh, from other sexual acts. But that's all coming from outside of us. So our relationship with pleasure is actually often something that we've learned. It's something that's been educated from from the first time we were told not to touch ourselves or from the first time that in some way shame entered our relationship with our own body and you know our own erotic innocence or it came from seeing something before we were ready to um, assimilate or even understand what we were seeing or hearing something or um, or from some kind of traumatic act that completely changed the way that we viewed our own bodies and our own pleasure and our sexuality so there's that piece about it as well as well as this whole thing about what's taboo and what's right and wrong in terms of the sexual act. So missionary position is pretty much okay, right? But getting tied up raises an eyebrow. But why? I mean, it's just definition and it's just like somebody else looking in on what is a potentially pleasurable thing and making a judgment about it when actually the actual um, experience of it might actually just be straight up pleasurable. Right. I um, I've not actually shared about this publicly, so here we go. But I had a very um, short stint as a phone sex operator <laughs> because I want you to. Okay, fantastic. But I did it because I wanted to push my edges. I was really curious. Like I had this belief that I was kind of cool with all you know, sexual acts and yeah, of course, everything's fine. And, you know, it's just whatever people like, right? So I was like, well, throw myself into the fire. And I did some some shifts as um, a phone sex worker. And I tell you what, I learned a lot about myself more than anything else doing that job because the scenarios that the people on the other end of the phone wanted me to enact with them were really pushing, like pushing the taboo envelopes so far out in some situations. And there was a lot of that, like what is pleasure and what is taboo and what is pain? And and yet if I actually took a step back and took a deep breath and just viewed it as an act of service on my part to meet this person with their sexual desire and their sexual need, it didn't have that kind of edge of dirtiness or taboo around it. And I could actually see and feel the pleasure that they were getting from enacting out whatever it was. And a lot of it it wasn't my idea of what I would consider pleasure to be or um, what wouldn't be my fantasy going down that path, but it was theirs. And it really changed the way that I view, um, that I view body pleasure actually, and I view sexual pleasure. And so now if I am working with somebody, say they are having um pain on penetration for example and yet they still like the pain end of the spectrum of um, sexual experience and they get pleasure from that I'm really super happy to meet them in that place and go all right so how do we explore that and but also how do how can we utilize that in order to help you regulate your nervous system and actually see what really is going on for you in your psyche and in your body and in your pelvis and without me adding an extra layer of judgment or conditioning there because it's 
100% not what I'm there to do. Yeah, that's wow. so cool. I love that you're there mm-hmm. to hold space for that and like allow people to unpack that and do all of that. That was going to be my question. So do you go there? But then you just answered it. And it's like, yes, that's so incredible. I wish there were more people. That is really cool. Doing that. I think also just that sharing of how you, you know, uh, unfolded your own acceptance into all of these different things is really profound. And I feel like the whole world (laughs) would benefit from doing that because there are, there's so many pleasurable experiences out there that are just unique to different groups of people, different whatever, who is into this, into that, that it just has so much judgment around it that it starts getting hidden in a closet. And what does that do to our psyche and everything? So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I think it just, like you were saying, Crystal, that bit about how you kind of like doing your own work around it and how that makes you an even better practitioner. I think that's such a theme that we feel and talk about. And I think there's, there's so much value in that of, and it, the, it helps shed away so much like projection and judgment and things that can happen sometimes when you're um, a practitioner or facilitating things. And we're all continuing to learn and grow, but I just think that is, um, it's just so appreciated by people and it's so important that I, that's so cool to hear that experience for you. Yeah. Uh, For me, it's the one non-negotiable, I think. Um, and I, and also with the therapists or the practitioners that I work with, like, it's really important for me to know that they're, that they're doing their own work as well, because, it's like a sacred offering, I think, to be a practitioner of some description and especially in the field of sexuality and in, in the field of pelvic health and um, sexual expression and like actually coming back home into your own body. Like it's such a sacred duty to hold or duty to hold space <laughs> for that um, experience. And it's so important, I think, um, that we don't get in the way of the healing that's possible and you know part of the reason that I that I'm really passionate about that is unfortunately I do hear so many stories about other practitioners of all descriptions who have been getting in the way of the healing process and purely just because it's been coming up against their own their own beliefs and mindsets so I think it's really really important absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah totally and I think about that industry and there's just so many different things where you know it's almost like band-aid fixes where it's like well we're just going to introduce this random item or gel or something you know Mm -hmm. where it's like let's just throw this at it (laughs) see if that yeah (laughs) I've had that come up a lot recently with people um and it was really cool to work with someone through that experience of um yep, let's just do it, like get it over with. Like if this is going to fix it, let's just do it. Like whether it was me doing internal work or like what if I just like start using a jade egg? Like if I just, you know, I know it's going to hurt, but I was just like, you know, if I start putting that in there, you know, those sort of conversations. And it's just really interesting to be able to like take the time to really back up with people and be like, okay, let's let's unpack that. The need to like, I'm going to, 
do this, um, just get it over with. Right. And there, it's just like, there's so many deep layers. And I think that's, what's so neat as you start to work in this field of how much more it is than like, I could do a whole pelvic floor session with somebody and not even touch them, but just continually talk about, okay, how do you feel now when I say I'm going to start the treatment? What does your body do? Okay. And then like, just keep checking in. Um, and I, I'm guessing that's a lot of kind of what you do in your practice. And I mean, these are things I feel like you could even do like virtually like via zoom and, Oh, just the way people's bodies contract and relax and how that can affect the pelvic floor. Yeah. I've just had such cool experiences where they're like, they can contract. Yep. Got that strong Kegel. And I'm like, okay, relax. And they're like, <laughs> no, nope. right. And this is my, this has been my own personal experience. Okay. Well, am I? <laughs> no, no, you're not. Like I, I couldn't even get my finger out if I wanted to right now. And then going into, okay, well what's happening in the rest of the body and having them relax, like say through their heart space, they didn't even realize then all of a sudden the pelvic floor just relaxed. And I'm just, yes. just like, wow. Cause as a PT, especially I would say like, it's so, it challenges my own belief systems of like how the body works and what we're taught and what is still being taught in, in the classroom and in continuing ed of like all this structural things, which matter, but I don't know. I mean, the more I do this work, it's just, it's so different. (laughs) It's just, it's so much more. So yeah, keep sharing and talking. I'll be quiet because we want to hear from you. Today. Yeah. Do you have somewhere to go right with that right away, or do you mind if I throw another thing at you? Are you ready? You throw another thing, and you never know. It might meet up with where I was going to go. So okay. let's see. So <laughs> it was just about that. So you have somebody who's in this place of having all of this pain. How do you even introduce pleasure as like the thing? Because yeah. it's just this. There's a perfect there, question, you know, okay. lovely, because I was going to go there. So that's, okay, um, cool. that's really awesome, because I wanted to say, so we started talking about pleasure, however long, 20 minutes ago, mm-hmm. half an hour ago, and we also did the thing of immediately going sexual, right? I don't know if you noticed that, but yes. we also unpacked it and then straight away went into sexual pleasure and which is awesome and like really supernatural and it's where where most of our minds go but I wanted to bring it back and say if you're sitting at home listening to this and you have a pelvic pain condition or you have um, something going on with your sexuality or your genitals or your pelvis or whatever it is and you're just like I can't even like pee without pain and you're uh, talking about being a phone sex operator and you know like yeah let's pull it all the way back and go you know when you um when you whack your elbow do you call it your funny bone yeah yeah. Yeah. when you you when you whack your funny bone really hard right and you immediately do this right Uh, and I'm rubbing my elbow sorry for all of you that can't see me at home you immediately like rub the the point to stop it from hurting you're using the pain pleasure pathways of the nervous system, right? You've got this painful stimulation and you automatically without thinking about it are doing something to pain interrupt in terms of the the pain response that you're getting. And you're trying to bring a good feeling in, which when you whack your elbow actually does help most of the time, Mm -hmm. most, you know, like to some degree. Um, And so when we're talking about things like pelvic pain and um, genital pain, 
it doesn't mean that we're immediately going, well, you have um, inflamed labia, so go and have an orgasm and everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. It's actually like so much more subtle and it comes all the way back from that in that what's your nervous system doing? Where are you activated to the point of having pain? And you were talking about this, Katie, with the, with the pelvic floor, right? What is your heart doing? What's your relationship with your body? And is there like the smallest thing that you can do to pattern interrupt, like rubbing the elbow where you've just whacked your funny bone? Like what's the smallest possible thing? And often um, the smallest possible thing that I'll recommend is if it doesn't aggravate symptoms, is to actually just go home and breathe into your heart and rest your one hand over the vulva or over whichever area of the body is painful and to breathe. And I'll see you in two weeks' time and your homework is for five minutes of every day to actually spend five minutes with yourself and breathe. And, like, there's pleasure in that, even though that's not necessarily, like, where our brains go with pleasure. But the opportunity to connect with our own hearts and to connect our own hearts with our bodies and to connect with our genitals and the nervous system relaxation that can come from that or honestly the stories that come up around it they can then actually just be breathed through and let go in order to create a bit more space in the body and a bit more um like room to expand like that's like the true foundation of pleasure it doesn't have to be like the orgasm point like pleasure does come from like those smallest moments of breath and when we start regulating the nervous system towards that it then gets to the point of you're walking in the park and the trees are so beautiful like you almost can't bear the beauty of everything that you've got around seeing around you and then you notice the, the touch of the air on your skin and then you notice the warmth of the sun or like the play of the clouds across the sunlight and then you notice like the sounds that you're hearing or the and like all of that's informing your nervous system that it's safe and that it's allowed to relax and that pain response doesn't need to be the response that it's having and all of that's also allowing a different relationship with your own being and with your own body. And then, of course, there is also the sexual pleasure and the sexual responses as well that those peak experiences or those kind of diffused experiences as well. But it's like we were saying at the beginning, like we almost need to relearn what pleasure is for ourselves in order to relearn what's possible and also... Um, like I'm a big advocate of whatever practices that we do in our um, genitals, we use our own fingers to do that because there is a rewiring, a biofeedback process that happens when the body and the brain are talking to each other and using the fingers and that sensory um, possibility is actually helping the brain understand what's happening. And so using that as well as, so like and there's pleasure in that so there's pleasure in for the fingers in that experience and there's the potential for pleasure of the of the body in that experience but it doesn't have to be like a peak orgasmic moment it actually can just be a quiet still and a quiet and a calm and an expanded heart moment that feels so pleasurable and tells the nervous system that it's safe and that it's allowed to relax and that that contracted state is allowed to, to be a soft state and um, 
and I, yeah, I just think that that's also like a really super important part of the remessaging that we all that we most of us actually do need to do around the word pleasure and around the state of pleasure as well. Well, I love that with using the fingers as well because when you're saying you know then your fingers get to feel not just being able to feel pleasure but being able to feel what's going on, you know, being able to feel how this external part of your body feels or feel the heat or the warmth or feel the coolness or feel those different things. You're getting other input, you know, and then you get to see what that's like. So even with what Katie was talking about, if somebody has that, let's go fix it. What can we do? Let's just use this, do this, being, being able to, slow down and bring something else instead of like oh you need to go buy some tool Mm -hmm. just place your hand start to feel what your hand feels start to feel what your fingers are feeling and then you I love that I love that like rewiring and how it's all talking to each other and another big thing that I loved when you were talking was just that sensuality because I feel like that's another word that people instantly Mm -hmm. attach with sexuality and it easily can be and it's also just those senses and being activated in that and how that feels and just how much so much of this is just really slowing down and listening and being in your body and getting out of that headspace that everybody's living in (laughs) 24 7 all the time (laughs) yeah I mean I'm just enjoying listening to all this and just kind of reflecting on my own experience and journey through pelvic pain to the other side and it is those little things I mean I started with like traditional therapy and it was helpful because it helped me realize so much of of the pain and tension I was feeling and I just kind of blew my mind. Um, but then to continue to deepen it with these sort of practices that you're talking about, Naomi, and like having worked with Crystal and it's just so much of it is mental. Um, and that's something I, I'd like to hear you talk about too, because I talk about that a lot with my patients. The first visit, I try to, um, take away the negative, um, connotation of that your pain is in your mind and emotional and mental because I mean at least in the U.S. like that is just it's considered just like a really negative like <laughs> diagnosis it just has such a negative connotation with pain and um, I just wish that could change because that's what it is for everyone's pain including mine or and you know yeah there's times you can tweak your knee and it's like okay there was like a physical thing that happened but especially with pelvic pain I've never not seen it be emotional yeah there's so many emotions that are just stored in the tissues of the body and that particular area just likes to yeah hold them (laughs) it's such oh talk about it a little bit more for us because it's such a deep mysterious conversation yeah. I think we're just beginning to unfold um I absolutely agree I don't feel like in any way that um the psyche or the mental and the emotional and the physical and especially the genitals can ever be separated out um you know what you just said Crystal about like it seems to like we hold and store so much down there I sometimes think about it you know you know like we push things down 
because, you know, I don't want to feel that right now. So I push it down. And I always have this vision of us like we're pushing it down, we're pushing it down. And then like, oh, there's nowhere else for it to go. So it's all just going to stay right in there until um, it's ready to be unpacked and released. And yeah. we all do it. And there's like, I'm in no way like shaming or blaming in any way because we all we all do this we all push things down until we're ready to deal with them or not Um, because sometimes things are just too much in the moment to be dealt with and we're also not taught in a lot of ways how to unpack our feelings and our experiences and there's so much that's hidden and there's so much that's shameful and there's so much that happens in you know developmental years that um really actually getting get just gets pushed down in for survival's sake and so absolutely can't separate out the psyche and the physical and what i find is really really important is the go gently approach because we hold so much in our pelvises and in our genitals and it can be almost re-traumatizing if it all comes out at once because if we approach this say say we're 47 years old and we decide to walk down the path of unpacking everything we're carrying in in our womb space for example how do you unpack 47 years like that like it just it can't happen Mm -hmm. without being like massive so the go slow approach I think is the most important one and the go gently and the other thing is is that one of the one of the ways that um that I work in crystal I know you do as well with this and Katie I suspect you do too is um this understanding that whatever we're holding in the body and we're holding in the tissue that actual physical touch does help with the releasing of whatever the trauma is or the memory or the the emotion that's being stored there um and one of the one of the amazing gifts of doing that kind of releasing work from the tissues whether it is something as simple as resting your fingers at the entry to your vagina and simply breathing because the contact of the fingers then is creating some pressure you don't need to relive whatever it is that you're releasing from the area that's been stored from the area who yes. yeah <laughs> right. yes 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 that's huge yes I want it can actually just be that. released yeah you don't have to be re-traumatized you don't have to be re-traumatized but the gently 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 approach is so necessary so that it doesn't re-traumatize and so that the body is able to realign itself and come into a state of equilibrium and if all you can manage is 30 seconds that's awesome like that's an amazing 30 seconds of time spent reconnecting with your own body in a way that maybe you never have been able to experience so you know um one thing I thought Katie while you were talking is I often um say say for example I'm working uh, with a woman who's got vaginismus and she's been encouraged to use dilators which is for those of you that don't know, vaginismus is like um, very painful or impossible um, penetration of anything, including something as small as a finger into the vagina. And so they recommend dilators, which are, um, they're like shaped like narrow dildos, I guess. And, and you push them into the vagina in order to try to encourage the, the mass muscles of the pelvic floor to open. And when I start working with women, I often say, let's just 
put those aside for two months and actually go slowly and go back to basics because that forcing the body to do something is often why we're here in the first place. So that like pushing that thing in and forcing the body, trying to force the body open is often we've been pushing all our lives where we're taught as women to push. We're taught as women to be of service and to work really hard and to do all the things. And we're always pushing and we're all, we're often adrenalized. And then whether we have had um, sexual trauma or not, and then we also have this experience of trying to force the body to relax. And I don't know about you, but if anybody tries to force me to relax, it doesn't work really well. In fact, it has the opposite effect. So I often say, let's, let's just put them aside and go all the way back to basics. And the basics are, how are you breathing? Can you rest your finger at the entrance of your vagina or on your labia or on your urethra or whatever the, the area of pain or discomfort is? And can you start to like build a relationship with your body? That's a completely different relationship than anything you've experienced before. Yeah. Yes, a thousand percent. My goodness. I'm so glad that there's other people in the world that are teaching this. And like, yeah, I mean, and I think I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I don't even know like if there's a specific time I learned this from like a specific teacher to me it's just like I don't know it's just kind of something I started doing and maybe it was little things I picked up from other people but I love that it's just like an awareness happening out there in like yes. healing healing pelvic pain period like I I just love that hearing all of that and everything you're doing well, I think it's so, so intuitive as people start to tune into their intuition that they don't want to try to force something, you know, that healing just doesn't work that way. It isn't right. unraveling and unfolding. It's a softening. <laughs> it's all of that. that. And I think that was one of the posts that you had made, Naomi, that was about being able to soften or expand into pleasure or to like work with your pain and even you know we had an episode about pain and resistance to life mm-hmm. resistance to pain because I feel like there's so much of that too you know the second you're feeling pain and you want it to just be fixed and then you go into resistance and so then you're all locked down and more contracted <laughs> instead of just being like okay, let me just accept this and surrender to this and see what this has to teach me or to show me so I can get to the other side. And it's it's definitely not something that's done overnight. <laughs> and it takes that conscious and slow and gentle approach. So I love it. Yeah. So how are you working with people these days? Mm-hmm. Are you working virtually or do you see people in person? Are you doing a little bit of both? I'm purely working virtually these days. Um, I'm part of the great COVID revolution. Um, And so, yeah, I work online with women all around the world, which is, um, yeah, it's, which is, I mean, it's amazing. Thank thank goodness for modern technology in that way, because Mm -hmm. it's really opened things up, which is fantastic. And, you know, I'm working with, um, you know, just off the top of my head, I'm working with, uh, a, a woman at the moment who is in Eastern Europe and she had to take a bus for three hours to see a gynecologist who had even heard about what she had going on. 
there was nobody in her area who had any experience or even any awareness of of her, her situation and her condition. So it's really exciting that the opening up of the world is happening and is possible. Um, so yes, I work online. Yeah, I love that. I love connecting with people all over the world. It makes me so happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how, yeah. Okay, so I have questions of like, you know, how do people get a hold of you? Like, what what does that look like? Um, like the session? Do you, is it like package? Is it like a, do you, how long do you work with people? Like, give us all the details because um, I'm sure people oh, listening to this are like, sign me up. Like, how do I start this process and what does it look like? And so tell us that. Okay, so um, probably the easiest way to find me is either on um, Instagram or Facebook. I do have a website, naomiharris.com.au. You do need to put that .au at the end um, for Australia because if you don't, you get you find yourself with a really funky New York photographer and she's taking some really interesting photos. Very much worth a look. Um, but <laughs> you can find my website with the .au at the end. Otherwise, um, I've got a Facebook group that I'm very excited about and it's called Transforming Pain Through Pleasure, Transforming Pelvic Pain Through Pleasure. And um, you're very welcome to find me there as well. And I'm, po I'm posting and doing videos and all sorts of things over there. And we're, um, we're talking about the potential for pleasure and how that can be um, brought into, into life. Um, and then there's Instagram, which is Naomi Harris ND, is another way to find me as well. Cool. I love it. And what are your sessions like? Do you normally do like a series with somebody or is it just kind yeah. of check, like we'll have a consult and figure it out? Or what, what does that look like? So I find because, um, and Katie, I'm sure you agree with this, that um, pelvic pain and pelvic health conditions are often quite complex and complicated and there's usually like a long history behind there mm -hmm. that's just the physical stuff let alone unpacking the mental and the emotional and the um and on all the psyche pieces so i usually find that working with somebody over around the four months so about eight sessions over four months is my recommendation generally but that of course can be tweaked for each individual person as well and i'm super happy just to do a one-off if somebody wanted to um just bounce a few things off me and and talk about what they're already doing and often I find as well that um, women have been to so many different specialists and so many different practitioners. And then they've got this list of 500 things and they're like, what am I, what, what? Mm. and I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's break it down. And what are the things that you actually like doing? What are the things that you know work? And so I'm super happy to do that as well. And to just help people get clarity. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I could see that being really beneficial, especially for people who have been doing stuff and then just like, oh, but now I want your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just like explore. just somebody to look it over and without yeah. the overwhelm because it can be right. so yes. overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had people come see me because I, I treat all different conditions in my practice, um, but I just like really love working in the pelvic health area. But, um, you know, they'll come in and they're like, you know, I have my home program and I'm doing like an hour and a half of exercises every day. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, I'm like, I apologize on behalf of all physical therapists. Like we really love to give new exercises every <laughs> visit. It makes us feel like we're doing something. So I can only imagine the people 
people with pelvic pain have been down so many roads, so many gadgets, creams, um, promises of this will help. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's kind of like sad almost because, um, no one deserves that, especially with that sort of thing. And it's again, still taboo. So it's not like you can sit and have that conversation, um, with your neighbor over coffee necessarily in a comfortable way of like, gosh, I'm dealing with this. So I think that is just one message for anybody listening. Like you're not alone. Like this is a common thing. There's so many, um, people and women and men too that are suffering from pelvic pain and you're not alone. There is help. Um, you don't have to suffer and, and you be afraid being with everybody all around the world. Do you see themes or is that, you know, is one, is any particular area mm. more free of, from this? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. You know, I can tell you the themes that I see, but they're repeated everywhere. Like as far as I can tell, they're repeated everywhere. And the themes, unfortunately, are we don't talk about this. We don't even talk about it to people that we love because it's so shameful. And sometimes I'm the first person that somebody has said out loud, I have this, this situation happening. And unfortunately, that's the theme. And then the other theme is took me 10 years to get a diagnosis and it was really really hard 10 years of me advocating for myself and saying it's not all in my head I'm in pain and Mm -hmm. I mean you know I'm not um sorry I just tried to think of a way to say that without swearing I'm not um (laughs) um pooping on the medical profession I couldn't think of a way to say it (laughs) I'm not like you know they're the doctors and the specialists they're doing good work and they're doing hard work and it can be really, really hard. And I, and I hear so many stories and it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So one of the themes, unfortunately, is shame and silence and hidden conditions. And that's something that I really, really advocate that we change in this lifetime, because why? It's not like you would be ashamed to be wearing a boot if you had a sore foot. So why are we ashamed to say that we have pain in our genitals or burning or itching or whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is? And it's impacting our lives. Right. And I think, like you said, coming back to like, you know, the traditional medical model, it comes down to them. They don't have time because this, it, you know, they don't have the time to sit and unpack all this with people. Um, So unfortunately it's, or maybe it's fortunately (laughs) breaking out of that, that mold. And just, you know, for people to know, like, it's okay. You might have to just seek out a little bit more. Um, and I know sometimes that can feel scary because it's like, oh, is this person like a quack or weird? Are they just like a char- was that a charlatan? Like just mm-hmm. saying this like eight week program is going to help or this is like the key. Um, so I think like we even had an episode about finding the right practitioner and, yeah. um, you know, someone like you that's done their own work um, and is coming from a really pure, open, non-judgmental space. And people can feel that. Um, and so you just have to go with your instinct and, and find your person, whether it's in person or virtual and listen to yourself. You know, you don't take what that person's saying as 
the holy grail yes. if it's not landing and resonating for you. That's your, oh, I don't want to actually go to this person <laughs> then yeah. or any of that. Because that's all, that's kind of part of it too, I think, in healing this area is giving people that permission to say, no, more pressure, less, I want to stop. And having someone listen yes. to, to them and respect their wishes is such a profound level of healing, whether it's in the pelvis or other areas that I like to do that as almost like an exercise or during the treatment session is I'll be like, okay, now you have to tell me where you want me to go next. Even if it's just like neck pain yeah. and people are like, you know, I don't know, you tell me you're the expert. And I'm like, Oh no, well you're the expert <laughs> in your body, but it's kind of, it's just like almost like an exercise in that like sense of like body sovereignty and like, even knowing what we want or coming back to what we started, like what feels pleasurable for you? Do we even know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we? I don't always know, you know? Nope. So, yeah. so yeah. That's, that's, really that's, great, that's a whole nother topic. And I know just food for thought for all of us to maybe a little bit of a, a takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, listening to all of it, I'm like, okay, we've got to do like 40 episodes on shame. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so many, so many tangled themes that we're holding in our pelvis area. And um, we're such complex, amazing creatures with these complex, amazing bodies and these complex, amazing minds. And um, yeah, a lot going on. Well, it has been a pleasure to talk yes. to you and like be in your space and just go through all of this and feel like even get more of a taste of what it is that you're doing in the world because I've only known what I've known, you know, so that has been really awesome for me and I felt great this whole time. <laughs> me too. I'm just like getting like these nice like warm chills and like I just feel so... Oh, it just feels so good to have these conversations. It mm. makes me yeah. happy. Yeah. Thank you both so much for having me on. And um, like I said to you, Crystal, before, like you've created such a beautiful space in this podcast and the rapport that you two mm. have is so lovely. And it was such a pleasure to be able to slide into that and, um, yeah. and enjoy what you've already created for this short amount of time. So thank you both for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Thank you thank for you, sharing. Thank you. All right, everyone, enjoy your day. Go ahead and give us your takeaways on Instagram at Enlivening Musings. And if you have any questions for Naomi, connect with her. Um, it was Naomi Harris dot, or just ND for on Instagram. Instagram? Naomi Harris ND on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, her Facebook group is amazing. Transforming pelvic pain into pleasure. I'm going to say pleasure pain. All right. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for musing about with us. If you loved all of that and are looking for more, you can find Crystal's classes at aliveness.academy or enhanceutv.com or of course her crystalpleasurefairy.com which the Crystal Pleasure Fairy, which will just be Pleasure Fairy app, will be in app stores soon so you can invite more pleasure into your life. And Katie, you can find at wellnesswithkatie.com. Enjoy.